Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSEN. It is our number two of the Lombardi Line as we welcome you back in. We're presented by BetMGM and have a lot to get to this hour with Michael Lombardi from New Jersey. I'm Ben Wilson from the Spurka Sportsbook Studios in downtown Las Vegas. Harry Gagnon from the Against All Odds podcast will join us in about a half hour with his divisional round plays. Uh, Michael, nice wild card round for you, though. 3-0 with the official bets and uh, at least official picks you gave out here on the show. You always make your power ratings Tuesdays on your technical off day. I wonder with only four games, where are the discrepancies showing right now, uh, on, at least on your sheet compared to the market? You know, there's so many of them. I mean, first of all, let's start with the you know the Giants-Philly, the Saturday late game. I, I, I have that one pretty much dead on at 7-3-1, uh, you know, and... And I think it'll be a closer game. I know the one, the game in the Meadowlands kind of got away from the Giants. Uh, but I think this one, the Giants weren't healthy in that game where they are today. Dory Jackson, Leonard Williams, and some of their guys didn't really, weren't, weren't at the same level they need to be. Cincinnati, Buffalo, I mean, excuse me, uh, Jacksonville, Kansas City. I, I like Jacksonville better. Uh, their power ranking for me, I have this as a 4.47 game. I know the line's eight and a half. Uh, I worry because when you watch the tape of the first game, as we talked about with Matt, you know, that the, the, the Jaguars didn't turn it over, you know, but they couldn't execute on third down. And if you're going to beat the char- if you're going to beat the chiefs, you've got to win on the outside. Your receivers have to play really well. And Evan Ingram's not a receiver. He's a tight end. So, you know, he gets, if he, they get the right matchup on him and he doesn't win, now you're looking at Kirk, Marvin Jones. Those guys, they've got to win. It's going to be hard. I think if they had 
if they had Calvin Ridley, let's say, then it would be a different story here, right? They're a receiver away from being an explosive offense. So that's the one I think. The one, the other one I think people have underestimated all year is Dallas. I mean, look, I like Dallas last week. I thought Dallas, I had Dallas at 6.42 on my board, a favorite over Tampa. Uh, and, you know, obviously, you know, they were only given Tampa three and a half. But to me, they dominated that game. I don't care that Brady threw the interception in the end zone. They were going to win that game, even though they spotted them two drives. I'm not sure what Kellen Moore was doing in the first two drives of the game, but they spotted them those two drives, and they just kind of took the game over. I think Dallas has a matchup. They can play San Francisco if they're healthy defensively. Where's Makai Parsons? I know he walked off the field with the knee, came back. I think you got to be careful here today. We'll find out more about that game. And then Cincy Buffalo, I I I am I have this as a two point three six game. I know the line's up to five now. I worry that Buffalo's off. Uh, excuse me, Cincy's offensive line is really beat up. I don't. There's no way Williams can play after a dislocated kneecap. I don't think so. The the left tackle, the right tackle situation. But the one thing I do know is Buffalo has not has no identity left on offense. They they really other than Diggs, they're having a hard time trying to get. Sp- plays. I mean, Gabriel Davis makes some, but they're not as explosive as you think they are. And when they don't run the six-back run attack, and what I mean by that is when Josh Allen isn't the leading ball carrier, when they're not running runs for Josh Allen, they become very pedestrian-like offensively. If they change that, they'll become dynamic. But they've been talking about, well, we don't want them to run, we don't want them to run. Okay, great. Well, your offense doesn't look very good. (laughs) Right. Majority of the books right now have that uh, five or five and a half. So your uh, your your power ratings coming in have at least like a two point differential on three of the four games. The San Francisco one because I I kind of mirror yours in a sense. Like I I didn't make I thought Kansas City would be about a six point favorite. Here they are eight and a half. Uh, Philadelphia Giants. I'd have made that a little bit higher, more like ten. But I also understand with the injury concerns to Jalen Hurts, you, you got to peg down Philadelphia a little bit uh, with that. And like Buffalo, Cincy would have that about four. Yet the one we differ on is Dallas and San Francisco. I'd, I'd make the game uh, Niners by six or so. Uh, so what what are you seeing with Dallas that, uh, that rates them so high in your mind? Well, look, S- Seattle moved the football on them in the first half. They scored yeah. 17 points. They moved the ball. Now, Seattle's offensive line struggles at times, but they I thought their two rookie tackles played well in the game. They played really well. The, Pete Carroll had his team ready to play. They ran the ball in the game effectively. They, they, they had some runs. And when you see, and so they were in this game. They turned that ball over. I mean, that kind of that scores a little deceiving. The covers a little deceiving too, because it kind of got the game got away from them. San Francisco is because he's such a great play caller, Kyle Shanahan, and because they have so many diversification in within their offense, they're hard to get ahead of. They're hard to get the lead on. And when you can't get the lead on them, you can never expose the only weakness they have as a team, which is their offensive line in terms of drop-back passes. And so that's a problem. But I think Dallas will be able to move the ball. They can't turn it over. When you play San Fran, you have to say, we've got seven yards. Like they did the opening game of Seattle. Seattle gets, what, eight yards on first down, right? The next play, you got to come back with another two- or three-yard play. You can't go backwards. Like you can't, and you've got to have a mindset that it's going to may take 10 plays. We're not going to get a lot of big plays. We've got to just take it and move it and not dance in the open field because they tackle too well and get the ball up and down the field mm-hmm. and, and see if you can do that. That's what the Raiders did. They were able to make plays, and when you get out of the pocket, make a loose play. But you can move the ball. This is not this San Francisco defense for as much as I love them. They're not the 0-2 Ravens. They're not the 2,000 Ravens. They're not the 0-2 Bucks. They're not that dominating. 
when they go against a great quarterback. They're not that dominant. I mean, you can the Raiders proved you can move the ball. The Raiders couldn't move the ball in the Chiefs. It's a totally fair statement. Very, very good defense. Not should not be put in the same category as some of the all-time elite Super Bowl winning defenses. I just wonder on the Sam, on the the Dallas front in pass protection. When you have Jason Peters, you're trotting out a 40 year old at left tackle who gets hurt, has to tap out, and you're pretty limited All depth wise at that position. What yeah. are you getting from Dallas on the offensive line on a short week when San Francisco has two extra days of rest to prepare? Well, I mean, you're going to have to chip over there. You can't let Bosa just have his way with Jason Peters. You're going to have to be able to move the tight end. You got to be able to chip. You got to be creative and divergent in thought of how you attack them. You know, I mean, you, you just can't – he can take the game over, right? He can he can cost you to lose the game. And so every play you call, you have to be aware of where he is and you got to make sure you double him. You just mm-hmm. got to do it. He's a, he's a Tuesday player, what I call a Tuesday player. That means on Tuesday when you're putting the game plan together, you've got to give him full attention. Absolutely. You've got to give him full attention. So that's what Kellen Moore's got to do. Now, we know Kellen Moore tends to drift in this area and we tends to lose it. They got to put together a tight game plan where they can do that, and they'll move the football. I mean, they match up in the other offensive line spots. They really do. They'll match up. They'll be able to block well enough. Now, I'm not saying they're going to dominate it, but they'll be able to block. There's enough to throw the football, and then you've got to be able to hold onto the ball and not make a mistake. And see, the the thing that makes San Francisco's defense look better than it actually is is their ability to to get the lead and make them make you play mm-hmm. from in front, right? Their offense is so good that their offense kind of controls the game and allows their defense to play the way they want to play. Because at the end of the day, as good as D'Amico Ryans has been, they still don't do enough defensively to create problems, but they do enough to create problems when you get behind. And, and so the good error, offensive right, coaches, down. yeah, the, the, the good offensive coaches know how to move the ball on them. But the problem is, like what happened to Seattle, we got behind and all of a sudden we're in a tight game and now the game's over. Which means that a lot of this does come down to how do you view the Dallas defense holding up against San Francisco's offense? I look at Brock Purdy as a quarterback and say, the questions have kind of been answered on him. He fits the system so well, had a couple of shaky throws early in the rain, but after that really settled down, throws for over 300 yards against Seattle and a team that's been a top three efficiency team, both running the ball and passing the ball since he took over at quarterback should have their way with a Dallas pass defense that was not exposed at all by the poor pass offense of Tom Brady and the Bucks. But I, I see San Francisco being able to, to open the field on Dallas in the secondary, especially with a couple of guys. If Parsons is less than 100%, Van Der Esch just returning at the linebacker spot a couple weeks ago, likely less than 100% too. I, I see that being a really big challenge for Dallas. Yeah, and I think the challenge for Dallas is they got to start fast, right? Because the last time they played them in the playoff game down in Dallas, they're behind ten to nothing at the first quarter, and that's not how you should. That's not how you can play San Francisco. If you get behind them, I mean that's a twenty-three. That basically that game was what was sixteen to seven at the half, and then it was twenty-three to seven, and Dallas scored ten points in the fourth quarter. But you, you can't do that. You've got to be able to play from in front. Now, remember, in that game last time they played, Dallas you know, Dallas couldn't stop the run. I mean, uh, Garoppolo threw the ball in that game. He only threw the ball 25 times. 25 times, 16 attempts for tw- 16 attempts for tw- 16 completions, 25 times. They won the game with their running game. I mean, they ran Samuel 10 times in that game. Now, they're a different offense now. Right. And Dallas has got to be able to say, can they, can they hold up? Can they hold up? And 
you know, if Dallas gets into one of these games like they did last year where they're throwing it 44 times, Zach's going to get sacked five times. And remember last year, that was a game Niners were a three-and-a-half-point underdog. The, the, the situations and context around the game were so much different as Dallas had had a better regular season, but Niners go in there, win 23-17. I mean, everybody's going to talk this week about the end-of-game <laughs> botch by Dak Prescott and the Cowboy offense that ended the game last year, being unable to get off a final play. But, I mean, that was a very that was a very minor thing at the end of the day when you considered like just how different of a matchup it was back then compared to where it was now, where San Francisco, as you said, was just running the ball down Dallas's throat. I, I, to me, the success will come through the air from San Francisco. It's just a matter of, is Kyle Shanahan now at the point as a play caller and head coach that he trusts Brock Purdy? I believe the answer to that question is a, a, a confirming yes uh, here, Michael, and that this will be a game that it could end up being more of a, a shootout if San Francisco forces Dallas to play from behind and try to be super, super aggressive. Yeah, I, I, the other thing is, look, if you're Dan Quinn, you know, there's only you know you know Kyle Shanahan as well as anybody. You you know you, he worked for you. You know him. You know how he li- how he thinks. How he's going to attack. You know how he's attacked you in the past. See, if you're Dan Quinn, all you're doing is watching the 49er Cowboy games. You're watching those games. It's what you're watching because you want to see how he's going to play it. What strategy is he going to impose against you this time? And how he handles everything. So look, th- th- there's a formula to win this game. They just got to come up with it. Again, I say I say shootout. You know, relatively speaking, this is the lowest total on the board this week at 46. But it wouldn't surprise me game flow wise. You start fast for San Francisco. The things you mentioned, uh, Michael, on on the Dallas offense, they can have some success. But uh, how will that end up playing out? Could see some points in the game. I I find myself liking San Francisco at least early in the week. Again, Niners length three and a half market wide. We'll get into more discussions of the big games around the card. Bills Bengals, another big one on the Sunday slate that we'll talk about next. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shane and the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of the never, Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys and they lose out to like, you know, Lil Dirk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Dirk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? The whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? 
backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's kid-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com to check the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving every game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes, so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not only today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at VEASAN.com. As we start this hour of the Lombardi Line, our deep dive on the two marquee games for Sunday on the NFL card. We'll have Harry Gagnon from the Against All Odds podcast join us in about 15 minutes. For as much as there is concern uh, for Cincinnati, Michael, in the matchup against Buffalo with the offensive line issues, Jonah Williams, the latest, the left tackle, confirmed with a dislocated kneecap. His status listed as week to week. Uh, now, as we said, heading into a Wednesday early afternoon on the East, on the East Coast, a lot of issues, too, for the Buffalo Bills. And I wonder how you, you try to compartmentalize things when it's Two teams who who showed a lot of weakness in respective narrow wins in wildcard round, now beating up. Also considering it was only three weeks ago that we were about to have a great matchup like this, and then uh, DeMar Hamlin collapsed on the field, and we weren't able to actually see it. Uh, luckily, by the way, DeMar Hamlin, he's back in the building. The reports come out today. He's been uh, basically in team meetings and with the team now, so that's been great to see his progress. But uh, wh- what do you think ends up being the, the, bigger, uh, the bigger weakness that gets exposed more, if, if that makes sense to phrase it that way? Well, I mean, look, I, I think that, that Buffalo's got to sit there and say to themselves, look, we're not as good as we thought we were defensively. I think what Matt said earlier about we don't have Von Miller, we don't really have that edge rusher. We can't get there, you know, and and if we get stuck in, in playing a lot of where we got to cover these guys, we're not a man-to-man team. We don't cover. I mean, Tadarius White, you know, we, he could tell he's not 100% coming off that knee. People can run past him, so – you know, to me, you've got to control this game with your offense, and you've got to keep Cincinnati and Joe Burrow on the sideline, or else it's going to be a problem for you. You're going to have to – and to me, the way you do that, because the Buffalo offensive line isn't playing at the highest level either, you've you got to be able to – Josh Allen's got to be your main guy. I mean, Josh Allen, to me, it's now it's take the cape off and become Superman because that's what you got to do. And because I, I, the guy they miss, to be honest, I think they miss Isaiah McKenzie. He's been hurt, right? Mm-hmm. And so they, the not having him, I think, affects them. 
you know, they ought to bring Cole Beasley back. I mean, remember Cole Beasley was down in Tampa and, and, and couldn't get on, you know, couldn't play. They're bringing him back. Now, I know it's a great nostalgia story, but still, the point is here. I think to me, this has got to be Josh Allen. It's got to be Josh Allen running the football, controlling the clock, converting those third downs, and winning the game for the Bills, or else Cincinnati, even wounded, I think presents a huge problem to him. I said yesterday on this show with Mike Pritchard, I felt like for Buffalo to have success, it would have to be a big Josh Allen rushing day because of what you just laid out. And a guy who's averaged about 46 and a half or so rushing yards this season on the ground, yet really didn't even look for those opportunities, was was content to just sit back, try to wing balls deep. He's at 47.6. The official number on the season is rushing yards per game. Props always come out on Wednesdays. DraftKings has put his number on the rushing prop at 44.5. I find myself liking the over on that for Josh I love Allen. the over there. I, I would take the over in a minute here. They've got to. First of all, the guy averages 7.8 rushes per game during the regular season. Now where we are now. And maybe they didn't want to do it last week because they felt like they could beat Miami with a third-string quarterback and didn't need to do that. But they're going to need to run him. They're going to need to run him. They're going to need to run him not just on when they're in the red zone. Look, they changed who they were last year after that game against New England in the wind, and he became the six-back player in their offense. They're not as skilled as people think they are on offense to just go out there and say, okay, we're going to throw it. They're, they're not the K-gun skill level. They don't have James Lofton on the outside. They've got Diggs, but people take Diggs out of the game, and now it puts it on Gabriel Davis, and it puts it on you know other players on their team, Cole Beasley, you know, they're, they're playing – I mean, think about this now. We, we lose sight of this because they're wearing these helmets, right? But they're throwing the ball to John Brown, who was not in the league. They're throwing the ball to, to, to uh, Cole Beasley, who wasn't in the league. I mean, they're throwing the ball to receivers that typically you wouldn't, you wouldn't heard of, right? Like, they're getting these guys off the, – I mean, John Brown was on the street. I mean, Cole Beasley was on the street. You know, they're, Cole Beasley's 33. John Brown's 32 years old. I mean, it isn't like they're they're throwing this ball to a bunch of guys that, you know, are young talent. that They're they're so desperate. They're telling you, as, and this is I'm telling you this from experience, as a personnel guy, when you're going to Cole Beasley and you're going to, to John Brown, you're saying, hey, just give us a play or two here because we don't have anybody who can do it. I think that's very telling. And people hadn't even heard of Khalil Shakir. I mean, outside of a garbage time touchdown against Pittsburgh early in the year, nobody really knew who that was until he finally got some more uh, some more snaps. A rookie fifth rounder uh, for out of Boise State for for Buffalo. That, that's how uh, desperate they are at yeah. skill. And people, I think, what people have mistaken here is people think that Buffalo is this uniquely skilled. They've got all these great skill players. Well, there's a reason they were hunting around on Odell Beckham, right? There was a reason they wanted that. They. Teams tell you who they are by what they go after. And they're telling us they're not happy at receiver with Beasley and John Brown. And then they even have to play Shakir, who's not probably ready to play. I mean, he made the great catch on the over route. He dropped the deep ball. But to me, that's the issue. And because of that, Josh Allen has to carry the burden, not so much in the passing game, more in the running game. And when they played Kansas City last year in Kansas City, if you remember that game, Right. If you go back to that game and, you know, and they scored, what, 36 points on him in that game. Mm -hmm. If you go back to that game, Josh Allen had 11 carries for 68 yards. I mean, they only ran it 24 times in the game. Singletary ran it, ran it 10 times. McKenzie had three carries off the sweep. So for, that's their formula. They've got to be able 
to to get him involved in the run. I'm not saying it's going to be 20 carries, but it's got to be the leading ball carrier. We'll be interested to see how it plays out from that from that matchup. Considering Lou Anarumo as a defensive coordinator has has had that Bengal defense like a, you know a unit that you think about the personnel there for Cincinnati. I mean, don't you feel like the characterization of the Bengals defensively is a, a bunch of guys who are not not superstars in any way, but they understand the scheme really well. It's a disciplined unit and one that is not really set up to give up large plays because you don't really see many blown coverages out of Cincinnati. So if you're impatient right. like Buffalo was last week, that's not a recipe for success against a really stout veteran, you know, not not at all a flashy defense in Cincinnati. It's why, to me, the, the run game is paramount for Josh Allen this week. Well, I mean, Lou Amaromo's not going to do what the Miami did. He's not going to leave a guy like Xavier Howard who can't run, maybe because of a groin, maybe because of a hamstring, on digs one-on-one. I mean, when Kansas City, take a guess, take a guess, Ben, <laughs> what stat line Stephon Diggs had in the playoff game in Kansas City last year? I mean, it was it was the Gabe Davis game. It was not a Stephon Diggs game. If you if you go back, he had to the three NFC catches for seven yeah. yards. Three, yeah, he had three. three so, all right. So if you're so if you're Lou Amaroma, you're saying to yourself, look, we got to take Diggs out. Right, And if the ball goes somewhere else, it goes somewhere else. But we can't let these guys beat us, and we can't give up 200 yards to Dave. And, and that's what happened. They could score, kids scored four touchdowns. And that, to me, is what's going on with Buffalo. Teams, the way teams are playing Buffalo, they're basically saying, okay, Diggs, you're not going to beat us, so Allen's going to have to run it more, and you're going to have to make some plays. And he's turned the ball over. He's, he's been he's, – he's a superstar talent – he has not played like a superstar. I mean, 30 interceptions plus just general fumbles combined for Josh Allen. When you think about that number, 30 for Josh Allen this season. On the Cincinnati offensive side, you could make the case. On one hand, this is, this is near a death blow for losing now three offensive line starters in consecutive weeks. Only the Steelers and Bengals, those, those are the only two teams who had the same starting offensive line through their first 15 games, and that, that will be too much to overcome. But on the flip side, Joe Burrow did take the Bengals to a Super Bowl with arguably a much worse offensive line last year and is a quarterback pretty uniquely equipped to handling that type of pressure. So which narrative do you see being more, more valid as we get into this week? Well, I think I don't think Cincinnati is as good a team this year as they were last year. It, and, and now they have the same offensive line problems, and here's why. I don't think they rush the passer nearly as well as they did last year. They don't put pressure on the quarterback like they did. Hendrickson hasn't had the same year that he had last year. It, it's just a fact. I mean, they're just not able to to do that. Secondly, you know, their secondary isn't quite the same, right? So, you know, the 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 Cameron Britt, the kid they drafted, Taylor, the second round. I mean, they lost their best corner in Cheedy. You know, I mean, that's that that hurts yeah, them yeah, especially. Ouzier, yeah. uh, that that to me is the one that really hurts them the most. And they can't run the ball. I mean, they want it. They're in 11 all the time. They can't run the ball. And against Buffalo, you're playing into what they want you to do. They want you to try to try to run the ball out of nickel. And Miami, when that Miami wanted to run the ball up there, they ran for 188 yards that game until McDaniels just kept calling pass plays. I mean, the game that they the two right. got hurt in. So, you know, I, I just think to me – that since he's got to be able to show they can run the football in this game, and that offensive line makes it really challenging. I mean, if they don't have Kapka and Williams, right? You know, and if they got to start Carmen over there at left tackle, that's going to be a problem. Be rough. And already with Collins on IR, Leo Collins was the first one to go down a few weeks ago. 
That's why for me with a number consensus five or five and a half, it's a stay away. Total of 48, staying away from that. I think I like the most. Josh Allen over rushing yards, 44 and a half. I like that. We're, we're gonna. I'm not like a big prop a guy, but that is one that does stand out on Me the page. Me either. I, uh, but, I, but I think this game plan is going to do that. Yep. I think there's no doubt. You're in lockstep uh, there, Michael, on that one. When we return, Harry Gagan from the Against All Odds podcast. It'll be great to catch up with Harry. He has some plays ready to go for divisional round. That's next. Featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. If you're looking for a betting edge on football's big game, the VEASAN experts have got you covered. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber with an introductory offer of only $9.99. VEASAN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap of the top plays made by VEASAN show hosts and guests. Tools like our betting splits to let you see where the money and bets are moving every game. Deep dive betting reports, VEASAN betting guides for the biggest games of the season where our experts break down brackets, best bets, and all the big game props. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe today to sign up for only $9.99 and become part of the Sports Betting Network. That is VSIN.com slash subscribe. We welcome you back. Our final half hour on the Lombardi line. Welcoming Harry Gagdon to the show from the Against All Odds podcast. You know, Michael, Harry and I haven't been getting much sleep recently because it's Australian mm-hmm. Open season. So, you know, we're staying up. It's like Oh, I love it. Night. I was on that court, too. What a place. I was on the Ron wow, Laver really? court. I'm it was unbelievable. Je- really? I'm very jealous of that. That's been that's like a on the It was the amazing, list. yeah. And then I went wow. into the cricket club in there. Yeah. And, and actually, in the men's cricket, in the men's one of the bathrooms, you can actually go – Stand in front of the bathroom and watch the game from there. It was incredible. It's pretty oh, amazing. Man, I'm jealous. I, me, uh, Michael, me and Ben were just talking about betting and uh, on, uh, on the Australia Open and who we got in here. I was, I was wondering if uh, we could sway your mind. Uh, probably, I was thinking maybe we can't, but maybe I guess we can. Michael's got an open. Uh, mind. I mean, yeah. but maybe I, I, I like Australian rules football. I don't know enough about it to to give out any recommendations, but I love watching it. It's kind of fun, and I loved being in Melbourne. Uh, it was, uh, especially that area there, Harry, where, you know, they have all those stadiums and, and there's about exactly. four AFL teams, arena league teams mm-hmm. there that are all Collinswood, Melbourne, you know, they're all like housed there and they all use the facilities there. It was really kind of neat. I loved it. Yeah. Every time Very I watch cool. the AO on, on TV, I just, I'm like, I want to be in, I just want to be transported to Melbourne uh, so bad. Unfortunately though, to distract us from that, uh, Harry, while, the, while it's a winner for the rest of us, we get to NFL division. Weekend, Michael and I were just breaking down Bills Bengals in the last segment. Uh, line has toggled. I saw a couple shops get as high as uh, six very briefly yesterday, but for the most part, we're at five, five and a half. Where do you see the value in Bengals Bills this weekend? Yeah, if you can get six, definitely get it. But if it's five and a half, I, I'd kind of recommend just to buy it to six. Uh, we both know, we all know here, uh, a lot of emotion that's going to be going on in this game from what happened a couple weeks back uh, since he um, didn't play great last week versus Baltimore. Kind of fortunate. Not a big game out of Burrow. Um, if it wasn't uh, Logan Wilson, by the way, probably uh, it saved the day for the Bengals. Probably the most underrated linebacker in the NFL with that play that he made. Um, but I think this is a situation where since he plays a bit better, uh, Burrow doesn't turn the ball over compared to Josh Allen. Again, Allen can put up the numbers, but he's careless too. Um, Three picks in the last two regular season games. He had two picks last week, three fumbles last week, sacked seven times. It's definitely a concern. And Sam Hubbard, uh, one of the defensive linemen for the Bengals, who had that return for the touchdown, he will be ready. He will be, you know, he will be causing Allen 
a lot of issues. But I think Cincinnati, definitely to cover this game, to have a shot to win, needs a lot more production out of Joe Mixon. He didn't show up last week. He had a soft game. I think he steps up his game. And like I said, I'd like to buy it up to six, and I'm going to take my chances with six with the defending AFC champs. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, like, there's an instinct at me that I think Cincinnati is the is playing better. And then the injuries kind of keep me from going down that road. I think if, if I felt like the, the, the Bengals' offensive line was healthier, I would go there because I haven't been impressed with Buffalo. I mean, I know Josh Allen is a great player, but he doesn't he doesn't do great things all the time, and I think that hurts him. And then the, the, the real issue is their defense. I know they held Miami to 200-plus yards, but Miami had opportunities in the game. Miami, you can't go into Buffalo and throw it 45 times with a third-string quarterback. You're going to lose. But yeah, if you go in there and you like you said with Joe Mixon to run the ball and Burrow protects it, you know we talked to Jay Feely earlier. I mean McPherson was the difference last year. The guy was twelve for twelve in field goals last year for the Bengals. He didn't miss. He didn't miss. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Chase. It it was their ability to make get points on drives. I, I don't know if he's in that same spot he was last year. No, you're right. I mean money. He was money. Money McPherson last year hit everything in the playoffs. I missed that extra point last week, um, and it's cause for concern. But I just think that overall here, again, uh, Burrow is cool as it can be, especially in the playoffs. I just I'm gonna take the six because uh, him, uh, you know, stats wise during the regular season, him and Allen very comparable, right around 35 touchdowns. Uh, I think uh, Burrow had a couple less picks, but in this spot though, I just again. Miami, you mentioned 260 yards of offense, but still was able to put up 31 and to have a chance when they were down 17 nothing. Buffalo couldn't put the Bengals away. and Excuse me, Buffalo couldn't put away the Dolphins. I don't think they're going to put away Cincinnati. The Cincinnati, like I said, defending champs, I think they hang here, and I'm going to take six. Going to take six. Uh, if you you know, if you can find those, you buy it up at you know pay the one twenty five one thirty juice depending on the book where that is at. That is a Harry Gagnon's play number one. The other side that you like, we're looking at Giants Philadelphia. How do you expect the matchup to play out? Third time now between division rivals there with the Eagles off a bye. Yeah, look, I, this Giants team, um, they pull they they did a great job last week of being able to, especially on first down against Minnesota. I was really impressed with either. Jones running out to the sides, taking off for seven, eight yards all the time, or throwing that little side screen uh, that, that, that burned Minnesota all day long. They, they were always, it seemed like no matter what, the Giants, when they had the ball, they were always around midfield. Uh, I think they're playing with swagger and some moxie right now, confidence building. Barkley was running hard. I mean, he only had 50 yards, 53 yards rushing on nine carries, but he did have over 100 yards combined. And he was running hard. He that touchdown run that he got the the second one, uh, and he's knocking over cornerbacks when he's rushing. He's laying his shoulder into them. He's fully healthy. He looks great. And Jones again, last seven games, eleven total picks. He's been, eleven total touchdowns. He's been fantastic. Just one pick. And as I, Isaiah Hodgins, just yeah, he's only scored five of the last six games. After week like like he, he didn't even he wasn't even on a roster. He played for Buffalo one game. Uh, this year, uh, and, and then w- didn't get picked up to the Giants until like October. I mean, this is unbelievable what the Giants have been able to do. I know Philly's been there waiting, and they haven't they didn't play great at the end of the season. Um, I don't know. I just think a division rival here, the way the Giants are playing, uh, Brian Dayball's been fantastic coaching and knowing what he can get out of his players. I think the Giants try to slow this game down, though you don't want to get on a 
in a track meet with Philly and Hertz and one, especially if Hertz is taking off running and uh, getting chunks of yards. Take your time, New York. Let this game play it out. Slow it down. And I'm going to take more than the touchdown. I'm going to mm-hmm. take the seven and a half in the division rival. Yeah, I think they definitely have to slow it down, Harry. I think the key to last week's game was that the the the, the, the Giants were able to hold Dalvin Cook to six catches for ten yards. I mean, that there was no screens, there were no free yards. That that bottled them up. When you they they held Jefferson and they held Cook down. That was the key. This week they got to they kind of have to do a similar thing. They can't let AJ Brown go off on them, and they've got to make sure Miles Sanders doesn't break a big play. And I think with the field. The field's going to be a little bit softer now because it, we're not we're not having cold weather back here right now. I think that helps Hurts because when you have a bad shoulder and you get tackled on that frozen tundra, it, it kind of no matter how much right. you feel it's healthy, it kind of comes back. I, I think that favors them a little bit there in that situation. I don't know if the Giants have enough speed on the field defensively to match Philly. They're going to have mm-hmm. to play a little bit smaller front. And can they hold up in the run? And we know this: the Giants haven't played the run very well all season. But like last week, Kevin O'Connell, you got seven DBs on the field with Martindale? No problem. I'll keep calling passes. I won't run it. It's funny how that yeah. worked out last week. Oh, look, uh, Harry, I'm I'm going Eagles in our we have I'm in a uh, sur- playoff survivor pool. You Cincinnati last Ooh. week. I am. It's a very so a very interesting uh, you know, mental mental exercise. I am going Philadelphia this week, but we can both win. All right, Philly by seven. Okay. Right, that that's like how it. we do it. Like Harry, you you can follow it. AAO Harry. There's a couple totals that you have for this week and the two other games. Harry, what did you like in the Jacksonville Chiefs and then the Cowboys Niners games? Yeah, I, I know the the number uh, for the uh, Chiefs-Jags looks a little high at 53, but I'm still going with the over here. For the last six games that Jacksonville uh, has, has played, they put up 31 points or more. For the last six Jaguars, 31 or more. Uh, what a roller coaster ride last week for Trevor Lawrence. But if still, stats were crazy. Evan Ingram, 90-plus. Uh, he's come out of nowhere lately. Evan Ingram, 90-plus yards. He's been key to that offense uh, last week. He's 90-plus. In four of his last six games, Christian Kirk, I know him was a big deal in the offseason when they signed him to a crazy contract, a lot of them, but he has actually made tremendous dividends in that contract and the season. He's been basically uh, Lawrence's main guy, and he's had a tremendous season. Uh, on the flip side for the uh, Chiefs, Mahomes and the Chiefs uh, are averaging almost 30 points per game the last five weeks. Kansas City averaged 34 points per game in three home playoff games last year. I'm going to go over 53. I think Jackson's gonna, Jacksonville's going to get theirs a little bit, and the Chiefs will too. See how that all love works it. out. I know. I know. I love it. I, hey, what did I say earlier, Michael? I kind of expect, in a weird way, Dallas San Francisco to be a kind of a pseudo shootout, as weird as that is to think about uh, mm-hmm. San Francisco defensive team. So I'm with you on that, uh, Harry. And, and we know if, if that game flow for Kansas City, if they get up early, Jacksonville chasing could easily see that uh, continue to rise. So 53, yeah. that number, Jacksonville and Kansas City, and then 46, the predominant number in and Dallas and, and San Francisco. And over in Dallas and San Francisco, yeah, too. Absolutely. Can't stop him. Can't stop him. Can only hope to contain him, Harry. Uh, thanks, as always, Harry. Harry, thanks for joining us. Great stuff. Thanks, we appreciate Harry. it. Awesome. Always. Thanks. All right. And remember, you can find all of uh, Harry's picks and, and the rest of our uh, picks mentioned by VEASAN hosts and guests on our shows at VEASAN.com slash picks. We come back, wrap up the show next What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. 
Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even posted to my my (laughs) Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break. And consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner. The rise, the fall and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. (laughs) I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. to the Lombardi line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets. It's never been easier to join the action on the new BetMGM app, featuring a fresh redesign with improved features and quicker navigation. Planning a trip to Vegas? You can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM resorts located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program, including exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager with BetMGM. Sign up with BetMGM or log in today to take advantage of BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com. For terms and conditions, must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Big thanks to all of our guests as we wrap up the show today. It was outstanding to have Jay Feely giving his kicking insights onto the uh, divisional round. Jay will be in Buffalo this weekend on the CBS broadcast, so really nice of him. Uh, Matt Verderam for joining us in hour number one, and then uh, Harry Gagnon in our last segment, Michael. 
You know, it, it, it's it's funny. We since we talked to Jay, I've you know was on Twitter, and they said that Dallas is con- is committed to to keeping Maher on the team, and they're not making any changes. And you know, for me, that's a hard one. You know, I, I get he's had a great year, but you know, when he walks out there on that field in San Francisco, and he's got a forty-two yarder, you know, I, I mean, and he misses it. Where do you go? You know, where do you turn yep. to? Right. You know, and the team doesn't. So, I mean, it's one thing to change your strategy. You know, it's one thing to change your strategy and say, okay, look, I'm not going to put this guy in a position. You know, when Bill Parcells had Chris, had Chris Matt Barr, excuse me, Matt Barr, you know, Matt Barr couldn't make a long field goal. You know, 42 yards probably was his max at that time. Uh, and so Parcells orchestrated his offense around – I'm only going to let him go out there when I know he can make it. I'm going for it on fourth down. This is before the fourth down phase came into football, especially in close games. So, you know, I, I think if that was my mindset, the problem is if I were Mike McCarthy, it isn't that I think he's going to miss. Is what happens if he does miss? Mm-hmm. What's my alternative? I, I I can't carry two kickers into the game. And if he misses the first extra point, I mean, what are we doing at that point? I mean, yeah. and think how about this, Ben. No, yeah, I mean, how about this? If you took the under in the Dallas-Tampa game, <laughs> yeah. the only reason you hit is because of of Mahar. Or missed extra points. Under 45 and a half at a game with seven touchdowns. <laughs> it doesn't go uh, over the top. I mean, think about that now. Think about how lucky that was. I mean, I, every Friday, Russo and I, we make our picks, right? Mm-hmm. And he took that. He took that. And I was going through the picks, how we did this week, you know? And and I'm looking at that and I'm saying, oh, my God. He, he, this, he won, I think he won like three things of the six that we picked. And – that was one of the ones he won, and it was a miracle. I mean, it truly was a miracle. That's, a, that's amazing. I, you know, I always see when we have, we come in to do our show, you know, Mad Dog got, is on ESPN, and it's like the Mad Dog is angry at. It, it should be changed to the Mad Dog is incredibly grateful for lucky <laughs> lucky wins like the under in Dallas and Tampa Bay. That would have been a good one uh, for this well, week. Well, I'm on uh, with him on Friday. If he starts complaining about the kicker, I'm like going to tell him, like, look, you wouldn't have won uh, that one. Make you sure know? you do that. Yes. That, I may, mean, think about it. If that game would have come down to, you know, if that game, I, I mean, it, it literally it literally came down to the people who took the under were very blessed. Absolutely. We'll see if, if it's a storyline this week. Uh, again, we as we sit right now, still San Francisco, three-and-a-half-point favorites, 46 uh, on the total. At least as we close the show, though, Mike, I want to get a couple more rapid-fire thoughts from you, at least on all these personnel changes. You know, We're in that, that tough time of year where we have a lot of games to handicap for the playoffs, but there's also just so many moving parts oh around the God, personnel uh, board. So we talked earlier about the two GM uh, hiring so far made by Arizona and Tennessee. How about some of the, the coordinator movements? I was thinking of you because Jim Schwartz – is back in Cleveland where he started in the personnel department with you and Bill Belichick in 1993. How much trust would you have in, in Cleveland's defense going forward, a unit that was really brutal now that they get Schwartz back into the fold, his second stint in Cleveland? Well, I mean, look, I think he's an outstanding coach, and I think this is going to be a huge upgrade for the Brownies. I think it gives them another head coach on the field, if you will. Schwartz is really good at game management, too. He understands it. He can anticipate it very well. His defense can rush the passer. You know, they he makes good in-game adjustments. I mean, this is a huge, to me, this is a huge get for them. I think it's been really, a, and it goes back to, if you read Moneyball, 
you know, and you read that book Moneyball by Michael Lewis, Jim Schwartz and Paul D. Podesto formed a friendship from that book. And they kind of got linked together. And that's where this all kind of germinated from. I think it's a great hire for Cleveland. I think he'll do a tremendous job. I think Miles Garrett should be the happiest guy in the <laughs> league because he will really benefit from having Schwartz there. Yep, so Schwartz back in Cleveland. We'll see if they can turn around a defense that was uh, among the league's worst in a, a bunch of the main categories uh, in this past season as they missed the playoffs at 7-10. and 10. Uh, Meanwhile, there are going to be some other openings now, one that wasn't necessarily anticipated, Coming out of the Chargers loss, we thought, okay, could Brandon Staley be on the chopping block? Well, seems like he survived. Instead, it's his OC and quarterbacks coach Joe Lombardi fired, passing game coordinator, quarterbacks coach Shane Day. Uh, those are the two heads that roll Michael in L.A. Yeah, shocking, right? I mean, you know, they give up, they give up, you lose the lead, but blame the offensive coordinator. And look, I, I, I think this is, to me, I felt like that this was a design problem, not a production problem by the Chargers. They did not have a big back. They did not have a guy that could pound. And everybody talks about Eckler being a great player, and he is. But he is like – he's a lot like – Christian McCaffrey, he's good when you have other pieces around him. He's highlighted when you have other pieces around him, like when Melvin Ingram was there. Well, excuse me, when Melvin Gordon was there. But when he's the lead dog, you know, and then all of a sudden it's a problem. So when they start the second half, he call Lombardi calls a run and it's minus four. The next nine plays are passes because he wants to keep the ball. You know, and so whose fault is that? Him for calling passes or them not being able to run the ball? You know, I had heard all through the year that Staley wasn't happy with the offense and he was going to change it, and that's what he did. So, you know, he shifts the blame over, but, you know, that puts him squarely on the hot seat next year. Here's the reality of it, though, Ben. I mean, Staley is supposed to be a defensive coach. They have not been good on defense in two years that he's been there. The defensive numbers, it's, it's amazing how they've continued to – uh, not only not only not progress, but I mean actively get worse. And you finished the year bottom three defending the run only because of a late surge in pass defense. Did they at least improve a little bit, barely into the top half in pass defense? But as we saw down the stretch, uh, that that was uh, picked apart by Trevor Lawrence four touchdowns in the second half. Right, and a lot of questions will we, be asked we, going in for Staley next year. We don't spend enough. Like okay, I get Daniel Jones has had a great game against Minnesota. I get that, and everybody wants to rush to pay him fifty million dollars a year. I get that too. He was playing Minnesota. Okay, everybody plays good against Minnesota. Everybody. Like, that's not the – like, if he plays good against Philly, against their defense, and against that pass rush, and he stays in the pocket and he demonstrates that he can carry the Giants, because he's going to have to play in the game. Like, tell me one throw he made against the, against the Vikings that was a hard throw. I, mean, I think he played great. I'm not disputing mm -hmm. this at all. Like, I think he played great. But tell me what was a hard throw. He really didn't have one. The offense, kind of the system and the inability of Minnesota – allowed him to have a really good day. And he, and, he, and he did something that he hadn't done in his career. He, he took advantage of it because he's well-coached and he's a smart kid and he's a competitive. So give him credit for that. But at some point, you got to say, when do you play good against the better teams? It's the same thing with football. It's the same thing with teams. When do the Chargers, when they face a good team, Jacksonville, when they face a good quarterback, how well will they play pass defense? And that, That's the question. Yeah. Staley, probably the number, I mean, you think going into next year, he, he will be, of, of all the coaches with question marks around him, the number one guy as far as his hot seat entering the, uh, the 2022 season will be really interesting, especially in a division 
Denver's going to have a, a new coach and, uh, and, and a potential rebuild. You figure the Chiefs will well, be. Whoever he hires, whoever he hires, this will be an interesting thing. Whoever he hires for the offensive coordinator job, that guy, he, he can't hire somebody with a lot of experience because that guy will replace him. Yeah. I think a lot of people are pointing so, to maybe like a, a Ben Johnson type with Detroit, but he just announced he's uh, he's staying with the Lions. And oh, I know you're, Johnson, you're a fan. First of, his. of all, people that people that say that don't know the rules. Ben Johnson can't leave Detroit for any job other than a head coach. So you can forget about they, these people throw stuff out. They don't know yeah. the rules. Like there's no way he can't. Like you just can't. It's not the NBA. You just can't move around whenever you feel like it. It's a fair point as well. Uh, but Ben Johnson and the Lions, especially with how the Vikings in that division ended the year how the Lions were a very highly power-rated team, even though they missed the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions are favored to win that division next year with a win total, uh, you know, I would think in the nine and a half range, you'd think maybe 10 or 10 or so. I think the momentum's on the Lions. There's no doubt. I think so. I I said, yeah, nine and a half. I said 10. You said nine. I think you're right. I think it's going to be 10. There's going to be a, if it opens at nine and a half, it'll get pushed to 10 rather quickly. The team, you know, everybody's going to be on Detroit this offseason. Oh, everybody. And everyone's going to be off of Minnesota. Those will be like your two most popular bets. We can already say that even on uh, January the 18th. All right, Michael, great stuff with you as always. Patrick Thanks, Maher, Ben. Appreciate uh, back you. on the show tomorrow. Yeah, great to be with Michael Lombardi. Thanks to our producer, Brian Ortega. A great show by Brian today, as well as our technical director, Andrew. Thanks, Engel, Brian. Did a great job, yeah, man. Here at the Circa Sportsbook Studios. We say so long for the Lombardi line. It's VSIN Big Bets coming your way next. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.